This is Working the Beat. It is Monday, August 31st, 2020. I'm Kevin Cooney. Thanks for joining us. Glad you could join us here as we kind of hit a milestone for us. It's been one year since we uh, relaunched this podcast, and uh, we figured we would do a little bit of a roundtable with our favorite guest, um, talking about kind of the state of the franchises at this point. Uh, one of them, Mike Silski, is not here at the moment. I'm not sure Mike's going to be able to jump on because of the Flyers' uh, media availabilities. But joining us first from the Delco Times, uh, first, uh, let me introduce my co-host, uh, Mr. Kern. How are you? Yo. Yo. Okay. <laughs> that's that's the state of me. That's the state of you. Uh, <laughs> joining us from the Delco Times, the longtime columnist, it's Jack McCaffrey. Jack, how are you? Yo. Yo, and yeah, and from ninety four WIP, he covers everything. He never sleeps. It's John Johnson. John, how are you, gentlemen? Good afternoon. You were supposed to you're answer. Not yeah. Wood, you're not at the Woodhaven Mall, are you, John? No, I wish I was. I'd feel a lot better. <laughs> um, so I figured this would be a good time to kind of break down where every franchise stands because either you're reaching the end of a season or the beginning of a season in the Eagles' case. So. Uh, I guess let's start with the one that's immediate, and that's the Flyers, who um, down 3-1 in their series to the Islanders. And really, I, I think gentlemen look like they've been outclassed this entire series uh, by an Islanders team that plays a lot like the old Lou Lamorello Devils. Uh, Jack, you want to give us a start here? That's pretty accurate. Now, if the question is the state of the franchise or the state of this particular team, the state of the franchise is pretty good. They made great really great strides this year. Uh, Vino's put his stamp on some things, made some, some important moves. Uh, Chuck has done a good job of, of changing some things around there. So it was, they had a big winning streak at the end of the year. They wound up winning that, that number one seed in the playoffs. So it, 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 good young goaltender. So the state of the franchise, I would say is looking up, obviously they've got an uphill climb now in, in this particular series, but it, it's still, Still an opportunity for them, but as, as far as the franchise goes, uh, things looking up. Uh, let's go to uh, John. John. I mean, you know, I mean, it, to Jack's point, I mean, the, remember, we're still, although it doesn't feel like it anymore, we're still in year one of Elaine Vigneault. Yeah. And what they've been able to, the turnaround that they've had since, you know, since the departure of Haxtell, the insertion of Elaine Vigneault, is, is, it's great. It's very unexpected. Having said that, you know, especially this series in the Islanders, you're seeing how that top line is absent for way too long. Now, Couturier had a goal in game four, uh, but Claude Giroux has one goal in his last 26 playoff games. I mean, he is the captain, although he is more of a setting up other players. When push comes to shove and you can't, you know, light the lamp, you rely on your captain for stuff like that, and he's – um, under contract for two more years. Jake Vortek is hit or miss. Uh, JVR, my goodness, it's turning out to be a horrible contract. But having said all that, it's still year one under Elaine Vigneault. And unfortunately, compared to some of the other teams in the city, it's even though their playoffs may end uh, against New York, you know, the arrow's pointing out. Mike? Yeah, it's funny. This is why I love hockey. You know, last year you had the Blues – you know, go from the worst record. The Islanders were 0-3 and 4, I believe, in their last seven games before the stoppage. And now they could be in the East Finals. Um, 
it, it, you know, hockey's hockey. Yeah, you know, everybody talked about the process with the Sixers. It became famous or infamous or whatever you want to say. The Flyers are in a process. I mean, it started like, I don't know, five years ago, whenever, you know, Hextall. And Hextall said it was going to take time, and he didn't wasn't allowed to stick around, you know, maybe to finish this off. But And now you're seeing they had, you know, they've got a goalie that's probably going to be here for the next decade or so and probably will be one of the best goalies in the league, which they've never had or they haven't had for a long time. And you have a lot of good young players because you've been drafting high and they've made some good picks. So, yeah. The difference is going to be whatever happens, and I'm assuming they're not going to win this series, but, you know, who knows? They could, um, and we could be having a different conversation. But there's going to be expectations now. It isn't going to be, you know, and the one thing I've heard about the coach from people who've seen him at other places is he has a shelf life. You know, he comes in, he makes them better, they get good fast, and then maybe he wears on people. So, I mean, I don't know, you know, is there a window here of a couple years, is there whatever, but when they go in the next season, whenever next season is, they're going to be one of the teams that's going to be probably expected. You know, the Pens are kind of trying to rebuild a little bit. The Caps didn't look like much at the end of the year. Tampa's going to change probably. Right. Um, they're going to be one of the favorites. I um, think, I think though, and, and I'll throw this back out here. I mean, look, there's so many positives. You know, when you look at Provorov and, and, and Sanheim and, and some of the young forwards they developed and everything. But, but I want to touch on the one point and obviously hard as the goaltender. But I want to touch on the one point that John had, and I'll throw this out there and, you know, anybody can speak up on it. The Claude Giroux thing is really alarming. That it looks like, and maybe because of the bubble, it's tough to judge. It looks like he's not the same player. He can't generate shot opportunities for himself anymore. And, you know, if one of you guys want to take a stab at it, go ahead. But I, I almost wonder if, you know, what the Flyers have to consider what their options are as far as not just the captaincy, but whether they can move him at all. Certainly, they, they got, they've got the right people in place to make the talent evaluations. And you've, you've seen that. They're not afraid to make talent evaluations that are counter to what previous uh, Flyers executives have made. So if they decide that, that Giroux's not their guy, they'll cert- they're not hesitant to do it. They may decide that, that Drew is their guy. He had some shot opportunities last night. It's uh, It's been a, a rough playoffs for him, but it's, uh, he's had a great career, and he's a franchise legend, and it'd be, he'd be difficult to move. But I, uh, I think he does have a new move. He does have a no movement, correct? I believe, in his contract. I'm sorry, you know what? A no movement clause yeah, in his yeah, contract. Yeah, 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 you would have yeah, to have yeah, him agree yeah, to something. Yeah, yeah, you, can always, you can always negotiate right. that. But, yeah, but uh, – yeah, they got the right guys. They get the right people to make the decision on that. But it, 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 I wouldn't judge him just on a, a few playoff games. He's had a great career. John, I mean, it's tough. I, I know he's his cap hit the next two seasons is eight point two million uh, per. It, it's tough. It's a shame because the stereotype, the knock on Giroux for years was he can put up great regular season numbers, but when the playoffs come against a uh, talent that's equal or even better, he becomes invisible. And sadly, for you know this playoffs, we we've seen stretches. You know, you know, although be it game four, he had some really good opportunities where he's just he's invisible. He's outmatched at times. He's a little uncertain, and his line mates are the same. So it's not just him. It's those around him. So it doesn't isolate to just him. But when you wear that C on your chest, there's a different expectation. 
Yeah, because we're so used to the captain being the leader. I think we, you know, everybody got spoiled around here with Clarkie and all that, and and obviously you see other teams where the captain is the unquestioned big guy in those moments, and, and it just hasn't happened for Giroux. So yeah, yeah. but he's, I mean, he played on a lot of bad teams too, Kev. I mean, and yeah, the playoff thing, like Jack said, I mean, he's had a great career. He's going to go down as one of the better flyers. I don't know where he fits in on the list or whatever, but. Yeah, and it is a shame, but I think anytime and now he's an older player, you know, I mean, I'm not saying he's over the hill or anything like that, but it's not really his team anymore, or it's beginning to be like that. You know, the Provorovs and, and, and you know, um, Couturier and guys like that, I mean, it's going to become their team at some point. So, you know, if you don't move him and he's making $8 million a year and then all of a sudden you're like, ah, uh, but if you do move him, you know, I don't know. I, I think they. I think you got to at least bring them back next year. Are they and, and see what happens next year? A question for all three of you: Are they the closest to a title? Uh, I mean, not just in like the calendar space, but like talent wise, the closest to contending for a title of any of the teams in the city. Hmm. I, I'd say I'd say no. I'd, the Phillies are closer. If you ask me, that lineup that they've got is just remarkable. They can put up so many runs. If they can do anything with their pitching. Uh, they're going to be really tough to beat this year and beyond. And, and they're they're going to win something in Bryce Harper's 13 years here. So I'd say Phillies. It's got a it wide window. Tough. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's tough because, I mean, you know, the Phillies do have a great lineup. Well, you know the, the flaws in that bullpen, and you're relying on a general manager who hasn't always made the right decisions there, even though they have that, that talent offensively. The, the Sixers, we you know, I'm sure we're going to get into them and, and their issues. Right. The Eagles have noticeable holes at certain positions. I, don't, I may even actually agree with you, Kev. I may actually go Flyers there, yeah. uh, only because they they have the coach with the track record. Uh, he has taken two other franchises there, and he knows how to weed out guys who want to be there and guys that don't, guys that buy in and guys that don't. And you know, Chuck Fletcher's done everything right to this point. So, uh, you know, considering where those other three major franchises are, I might go Flyers. Mike? Yeah, if you'd asked us this last week, we all would have went Flyers. Um, but I, I like Jack's points that – and I don't know if the Phillies can, can – because right now they're still kind of a middle-of-the-road team, although I still think they have a shot to win the division because the Braves are kind of reeling a little bit. Now, what they're going to do today, I don't know. But – their lineup is their lineup. I mean, Bryce Harper's having a great year. If they can re-sign Riamolto, I probably pronounced that wrong. I'm sorry. Um, you know, he's the best catcher in baseball. Now, are they going to do that? You know, I mean, if we start the season next year and he's not here mm-hmm. and Didi's not here and McCutcheon's a year older and you still have center field issues, then, you know, there are still questions there. Um, but they can, they can hit. And if they can get any kind of pitching, like like Jack said, they're I mean they're a legitimate contender. I don't know if they're closer to a championship than the Flyers might be, or you know it's it's weird to say the Eagles being third or the Sixers being third or fourth because last year at this time we all would have probably said the Sixers. Well, uh, and, you know, when they lost on the Ford Dinker. Well, let's let's also go to the let's I guess go to the uh, Phillies would be the next logical step here in. in in my mind, and I'll get back to, I'll go to John on this one. How much of this depends on what the administration looks like at the end of the year, whether they make the playoffs this year in a in an eight team out of 15, eight teams make it out of 15, okay? More than 50% of the league's going to make it. 
no matter what happens, I think they're going to have to look at what their farm system is. I think they're going to have to look at kind of the way they approach pitching uh, up and down that farm system. To me, how they go is going to depend on just the management structure they have and whether that's Matt Klintak and Andy McPhail going forward. Yeah, I, I'm curious what's going to happen because the, you know how it's going to play out. When a World Series champion is crowned uh, sometime in late October or however late it goes, or early November, the only team that's going to claim this 60-game season was legit was the team who won. Everybody else was going to say it was a joke. It was, you know, we, we squeezed it in, but it really didn't matter. It was a sprint. Baseball's a marathon. So I'm very curious how John Middleton will view uh, the front office at the end of this season. I, 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 they were bad for many years to build a farm system and to um, grow players and then fill in the missing pieces. And sadly, there is they have next to no pieces homegrown that are you know le- legit cornerstones. You have a couple guys you, you are hoping will be. Everybody else was added via free agency, and M- Matt Clintac. You know, he had two jobs this offseason, uh, you know, uh, upgraded the pitching staff. You got Zach Wheeler, which John Middleton would have to sign off on, completely avoided the bullpen, uh, and to potentially re-sign JT Romuto, which he's going to be on the ver- – he's going to test free agency, and then you got to hope that the Phillies were would be open to matching that financially, with whoever that top offer is, which could be the Mets and a new owner. So uh, it's – the state of the Phillies is very interesting because – if they make a couple right moves, they can they can be thrusted right to the top of the list as a real contender. But the front office, I have a lot of reservation about. Jack, you're as close to it as anybody. What do you think about where this front office stands at this point? John makes good points. The front office is going to change. That's for sure. What I think the front office stands at this point. Joe Girardi's running that operation at this point. Maybe, maybe uh, Brian Barber with him. You saw that during the uh, the draft when you heard hide nor hair of Clentac, nothing. And then you saw these these recent uh, uh, spray of, of additions to the bullpen that had Girardi written all over it, all over it. It was that was that was Joe Girardi with his hands on his hips saying, "Let's go." I'm not putting up with this any longer. Now, he didn't say that to us, but he it was clear that right. they were Girardi moves. So, so to John's point, uh, you know, it's going to depend a lot on who's running this operation. Well, Joe Girardi is going to be running it for a while, in my opinion, and, and I, I trust him. Is it one of those things? And before I go to Mike, is it one of those things that the three most important people in the organization, because they had the ear of John Middleton, are Joe Girardi, Bryce Harper, and maybe. JT Real Muto at this point, more important than even the general manager or the team president? Is that for me? Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, yeah oh, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's a great point, too, Kev. Bryce Harper, his voice is louder at this point than Clentax. Clentax done. He, he's dead general manager walking. Forget about it. He, he, he's not coming. Unless they go ahead and win the World Series or make a good run at it, and maybe he survives. But, no, it's Girardi's running the team now. Harper's running the team. Harper's Harper's campaign for JT Real Muto is unprecedented. I don't ever remember anything like this. I mean, he literally wore a, a Real Muto shirt and doing the – what's he doing? The money number, right, sign the number sign of the contract, thing. yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's 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 remarkable, and 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 he's got he's got every right to do that because part of when they recruited him, they told him, listen, 
we're going to make a run at this thing, and we're going to—we're not holding back on anything. If they hold back on JT Real Muto, Bryce Harper's got every right to be furious. So it, you're right. So it's Harper, Girardi, Girardi's Yankees connection there, and that—that's who's going to be running this operation for a while. And and there, there, they will sign JT Real Muto again. That's going to happen. I notice how you don't mention Andy McPhail in that, but go ahead. No, McPhail and Clentac are, are they run as an entry. They're one and one A. You get one or the other. They're both out of here. They're both out of here. John, do you agree with that? I I hope Jack's right. I, I wish I, I don't have a, a feel on the situation because I'm I was surprised that Clentac still had a job after they let go of Kapler and Middleton was so uh, I don't know, you know, even though he neutered him publicly. Cap, he knew right. I mean, publicly. He a, yeah, he had a dunce cap on, and he, he was openly <laughs> insubordinate to the owner, saying, "Oh, I wanted to keep Kapler right next to the owner." So it's just—it's a very odd relationship those two have. So I—I I wish it, I, I really knew what was going to happen. I hope Jack's right. And Mike, I found it ironic that last night when ESPN's out there, suddenly John Middleton finds the uh, the 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 pandemic crew out in center field with the signed JT stuff when ESPN has their cameras around. Maybe I'm just too cynical. You are, but that's what everybody does, Kevin. I mean, yeah, it, it, you get, you wonder why he's, he's taking advantage of the situation, just like a Jerry Jones takes advantage of the situation or, or any other person who's, you know, you know, it's whatever. Mm-hmm. I know it's whatever, but it's a national televised game. And, you know, the, the, the bottom line with all four of these teams is, and any team in sports, for the most part, you have to draft well. That's how you win championships. You build from within, and then you add the pieces. And and some of these teams we've seen, I mean, even the Sixers during the process didn't probably draft as well as they could, even though they got Embiid and they got Simmons, you know, for whatever. The 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 the, the, the um, Phillies have drafted horribly. Mm-hmm. The the Eagles have not drafted well in a lot of cases, but they did win a Super Bowl. So that you know you know that takes away a lot. And now we're starting to see the Flyers the from drafting long enough, high enough, that they got enough right that now some of these guys. So, yeah, I think the Phillies are just – yeah, they were talking last night about the Braves might be trying to go after, I think, the pitcher that just got traded to the Padres, Clevenger. Clevenger, right. And they were saying about how they had all these prospects that they could, you know, they could put a package together. The Phillies can't put anything together because they have nothing to give. Yeah. So even if you're trying to go out and help your team by getting maybe a starting pitcher today or getting um, more bullpen help or getting a center fielder, or whatever, whatever it is you're trying to do, you are handicapped, yet a team like the Yankees has unlimited people in their minor leagues. How is that possible? When they're drafting a lot lower than the Phillies every year. I don't get it. And I, and I think I think the one thing, too, is it, it, everything with this team is going to hinge on the real Muto signing. And whether they get him back. And if they don't get Real Muto back, then there's a trickle-down effect because Real Muto is good at handling the starting pitching. Real Muto is great, obviously, in the middle of the lineup. <clears throat> if you don't do that, then you get a pissed-off right fielder. You have this appearance that everything they've talked about is just BS, for lack of but, a better But term. Jack is right, though, Kevin. If Let's say, for the sake of argument, the Phillies make a little run. They, they get in the playoffs, yeah. and, they, and, you know, I don't know, they win a series, or I don't know how many series there would be. Right. You know, it's probably enough to keep them t- to not fire him, I guess. And somebody's got to explain to me what it is that McPhail does, because I don't get it, but I'm not down there all the time. But I think if they make the playoffs and maybe, like, win a series in a 60-game season, 
unfortunately, I think it would be enough to bring him back. Now, then if they don't sign the catcher and then it has ramifications beyond that, you know, then I think you could see those ramifications play out like a year from now. Do they re-sign the catcher, Jack? Yeah, absolutely. They'll, they'll do that. Middleton is not going to drop that ball. They're, 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 they are not going to disappoint Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper has made it clear this is what has to be done. They're going to do that. John? Uh, I, I tend to agree with Jack, but there's still that little, like, that talk show conversation piece inside the back of my head that says so the recent trade they made to acquire more pitching, they made sure to get uh, a couple hundred thousand back in cash just so they could avoid going into that, crossing that luxury tax threshold. And if and playing this game that they did in the hopes that because of the pandemic and everything changing that they could get him cheaper, um, I mean, it, you know, that – that certainly rubs a lot of people the wrong way. And there's going to be multiple hitters for Real Muto. So each and every home run he hits, each and every um, uh, runner he picks off, that price tag goes up and up and up. So I'm very curious to see what you know a given team may offer him. I mean, because every team has a limit, and the Phillies are have spent a lot of money on several players. I'm very curious to see if they have a walk-away point, even, with, even if it's with Real Muto. And if they do, they don't have a catcher really that they can fall back on. And you can watch Sixo Sanchez dominate your division for the next decade. I mean, that, yeah, that's, a, that's a, a problem. It that, would be it would be ugly. And that's why it almost adds, as Jack said, I think the Harper thing's the biggest thing. You don't want to piss off Harper. Not year three into a thir- thirteen year or twelve year deal. But this off season for them, Kevin, is going to be fascinating because they have so many decisions to make beyond the catcher that. You know, like they're hitting right now, and we look at it and say, hey, it's pretty good. But, you know, who's the center fielder? Well, who, I mean, really. Is the third, we don't know if they, is the third well, baseman right. a third baseman? You, play, yeah. you don't know who the shortstop is yeah. uh, going forward. And you really only have two starting pitchers that you can count on, hopefully a third if Howard's, you know, good. Um, you know, Hoskins is starting to hit now, so that looks good. Kingery, I don't know. But there's, there's question marks beyond the catcher. And that's what kind of scares you a little. Yeah. Uh, that, that even if they go out and sign him and go over the luxury tax or whatever it's going to involve, that there's more things they need to do that then that then they might not be able to do. Yeah, and that's all, the scary part. And they're also going to have to fill some holes in the rotation because you're going to you're going to let Arietta walk, so you have to find somebody else to get there. They're going to resign him? No, I know ah, it's hard to believe. Sugar. Uh, let me let me then switch this to the Sixers. Um. You know, Brett Brown gone. Uh, team in, I would say, a state of disarray. No word if they're going to change the front office structure. They say they're going to, but there hasn't been a word, uh, any movement on that end. Jack and John, you're both real close to that situation. I'll start with you, Jack. Where do you see them going right now in the direction as, as a head coach and in their front office structure? The front office structure is it, it, it's clear that Elton Brand is either going to be in this position he's got or even a, a position of even worse strength. He's the man right now. You just saw what he did. They they failed in the playoffs. He said, I'm bringing everybody back. I'm bringing myself back and Brett Brown out. So they decided that Brett Brown was the cause and the problem, sole problem. They've decided that Elton Brand's the guy. So Elton Brand is going to be running this team. You heard Elton Brand during when he, the press conference a day or so after he fired 
Brett Brown, he made it clear what he wants. He wants somebody who has won, and he wants somebody who's won at the NBA level, and that's Tyron Lue. And that's where they're going to try to, to make a play for Tyron Lue. And that, that would be the coach that they think could put them over. Will they pay, and, will they pay the $7 million Tyrone, Tyrone Lue once? Yeah, well, yeah. They, 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 Alton Brand has made it clear that there'll be nothing to stop him from being able to do what he wants to do to make this team better. Jack, uh, John? I, um, I, I think that I agree with Jack that Tyron Lue is probably the front runner right now. What's going to be interesting is, like, the whole front office structure has been terrible for years. And Elton Brand took that job. He was very underqualified, but how can you blame him? He was given that opportunity. Some of Brian Colangelo's staff is still in place uh, and aided in some of the basketball decisions that were made that put them in the bind they're in right now. Scott O'Neill wanted his hand in, in basketball decisions when he knows nothing about it. Ownership at times would try to, you know, throw some influence in. So hearing Elton Brand say the things he did was – I guess relieving, but you know, talk is cheap. You know, he's going to have to prove that he is solely in charge of not just the search, but uh, all things basketball operations moving forward. And he said in that collaborations just didn't work out that he'd like to bring more basketball people in. What's going to be interesting in with the head coaching search is two years ago, the Sixers head coaching job would have been top in the league. Now, how desirable is it really? I mean, roster-wise, they are strapped. I mean, maybe they can find somebody to take an Al Horford contract, but it's going to cost you something to get to rid of him alone. You have next to no bench. So you're looking at, you know, it's going to take time if the general manager does his job properly. So I don't know how many – you're going to find someone who's interested in the job, but is it going to be the level of coach you want? Something else that's going to be interesting if it is, in fact, Tyron Lue. Someone like him is going to want to have a bit of a say in some of the roster decisions. He's not just going to come in and only be the head coach. So I don't know how Elton's going to feel about that or others in the organization if they don't make any changes. There's a couple names that I like. I think they should definitely interview someone like Kenny Atkinson, who did really well with Brooklyn until Kevin Durant uh, and Kyrie Irving said, we want our own guy in there, and they, they tossed him aside. He's good at developing certain players and making them into better shooters. Uh, and he holds guys accountable, just like Tyron. And that team plays hard every night. Right. They, they, they play hard every played night. Every... So, I mean, I, I, and there's obviously I, – I don't want Jason Kidd. I don't want Mark Jackson. Uh, there's a couple of names I've mentioned I have no interest in. It's – I mean, the assistant coach, uh, Emi Udoka, may very well be a legit candidate in Milton Brand's eyes as well. Uh, I wouldn't go that route, but but they may. It's 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 – Quite the undertaking that Brent has this offseason. Mike? Whoever the coach is, there's only one thing that matters to me. He better have a connection with the two top guys to get them to play better. Because if that doesn't happen, it doesn't matter. If, 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 if you can't get through to the point guard and you can't get through to the center, that they got to lift themselves up somehow from what – I mean, has any team – in, I don't know how many teams in any sport went from where the Sixers were last year, which was almost in the conference finals, uh, to a team that just now looks like, eh, you know, the sixth seed losing four games to the Celts, and the roster is filled with, you know, two guys that maybe you don't want, that you can't move. It's And, and I don't even know, regardless of who the next guy is, 
what the expectations will be for next year, even if you do have two legitimate stars, I'm just using that word, um, on your team. It really is fascinating to me that they went from that to this in the span of a season because Jimmy Butler couldn't work here. And J.J. was getting older and wanted too much money, I guess, would be the reasons. But in retrospect, if we'd come back with that team, you know, maybe they'd still be playing. I don't know. It, it is, uh, uh, you know, whoever wants to take this question, take the question. Well, we look back at that last offseason as one of the biggest blunders in Philadelphia sports history that they let Butler walk, that they signed Al Horford without really a feel on where he fit in. It was almost like signing him just to keep the Celtics from getting him back. For $27 million. Yeah, and, 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 and then Max and out Tobias. It was a, it was an absolute disaster, and you knew it at the at the preseason uh, press launch downtown Philadelphia when Brett Brown basically said, "Well, you know, we really don't have any three point shooters, and you know, we're going to play bully ball, and we're going to smash this, we're going to do that." He was trying to invent some kind of way that this team could win, and you looked at it and you said. This is not the same team that we said. They missed T.J. McConnell. They missed Redick. And when you said um, you make a point, they couldn't keep Butler. They didn't want to keep Butler. The problem there is that how did Elton Brand not know what Jimmy Butler was like before he got him the first time? Yeah. Like other words, he had everybody in the world knew what this guy was going to be. Okay, so if you're going to commit to Jimmy Butler, you're going to say okay. I know this guy's a pain in the neck, but I'm going to commit to him. You don't go trade, break up your team, bring him in, let him play for half a season, and say, "Oh wow, this guy's a pain in the neck." Eh, you knew right. that already. So, or Jack, along those lines, you don't go get Tobias and give stuff up for Tobias, not right. knowing that you got to sign him to a max contract. That now everybody's kind of saying, "Well, maybe not." Right. You. You. you they, they. They tried to sell. Embiid, Simmons, and Tobias as you know, a, a great threesome, a great uh, trio of superstars. Tobias Harris is not a superstar. He's just not. And Simmons is not a superstar either, by the way. So they, they tried to act like that was Mikhail, Bird, and Parrish. It's a, not even close. They, uh, it is. Um, and what, going back to what, what uh, Mike was talking about with J.J. Redick, J.J. Redick um, had said that when they hit the offseason, he was waiting to hear from the Sixers to see what because he didn't want to leave. He was perfectly comfortable with his rapport with Embiid and the team and all. And at a certain point, he was getting offers from other teams. So he called them, and he spoke to Elton, and he said, what's going on? Are we? And they said, well, we'll get back to you. And at that point, he said, all right, fine. The New Orleans offered me a lot of money, so he took it. And then they never even looked to replace him. And it got to the point where Thorcon Korkmaz, who they completely gave up on, it was kind of like, a, oh, was he? Did anybody pick him up? Oh, let, let's bring him back and think he's the solution. And then you have Tobias Harris. They sign him to a max contract uh, on the unknown. His entire career, which hasn't been incredibly long, but the career that he's had has been hit or miss. He's hot one night, he's cold the next. He's never been consistent. So they sign him to this massive contract. That contract may go down as one of the worst in Philadelphia sports history because he's set to make 34 next year, 35 the year after that, and nearly 37 after that. And he is nothing more than he's, – he's a decent player, but he's not even close to a star, let alone a superstar, that he wants to be, but he, he's just not. It's, I, I, I have a lot of question marks because Elton Brand saying, well, I didn't, quote, I didn't know a lot when I first took the job. 
You admitted fault, and then, it, oh, now I know. Well, everybody knows in hindsight, and the problem is he's a former player. He should have known at a certain point certain guys probably weren't going to mesh, and uh, he just went along with it anyway, and now the Sixers have just no wiggle room whatsoever. I just don't understand how you can have a team coached by Brett Brown that needs shooters, especially when you have Simmons and Embiid on the court, and they had no shooters. It, it just it defies logic. And then you would continue, even though you said the bully ball thing, Kevin, me and you talked about this six, six months, they were never going to play bully ball. They were going to shoot 30-some threes a game with guys that can't shoot. That's an organization problem. That's not just a Brett Brown problem. Well, and this boiled back to the uh, you know what we talked about earlier with the idea that you have a GM who at least started out over his head and I think is still there in my mind. You have... A, a, you know, you have refugees from the previous administration still there who, fairly or not, you know, Brian Colangelo deserves a large portion of the blame because this all started with the Fultz fiasco with trading up to get Fultz from three to one and, and all that. And not that they were ever going to get, uh, you know, Tatum, but at that point it was like, oh, what are you doing? You know, you're giving away draft picks and they gave away – you know, the capital that they build up through the whole process. Assets. 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 I mean, you know, the, <laughs> it points to a dysfunctional ownership group, okay? An ownership group that wants to be friends with the players. And, Jack, you're around this a ton. I think the idea that whatever coach comes in here is going to be hamstrung because you have Joel Embiid wanting to be best friends with uh, you know David Blitzer and Josh Harris and and, and, and Michael uh, Michael Levin, that doesn't work. You can't have your own unless you're Mark Cuban. You can't have your ownership group trying to be buddies with the players. It just can't happen. Would you agree? That's a great. That's a, that's an excellent point, and that's that's part of the problem there. They're, they're, Brett Brown can only push those guys so far because they could go right to ownership. Uh, that that's probably why why. Uh, Elton Brand has been saying that he wants a guy with experience and who's won. And that could be, that could trump some of that. That could, he, a guy like Tyrone Luke could say, listen, here's a ring when I was a player. Here's a ring when I was a coach. Follow me, guys. We're right. going to get there. And that, 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 that's, that's where Elton Brand realizes that he needs a, a, a championship level coach in there in order to settle that. But you, the other thing, Jack. You could tell, I mean, doesn't Simmons have a relationship with LeBron, I think, or, or yeah. am I misstating that? Yeah, you could, if you're Tyrone, or somebody could say, hey, call LeBron up. Ask him oh. what he thinks of Tyrone, and, and LeBron probably would give him yeah. pretty good marks, I'm assuming. Here's one, here's one aspect that, Mike, you just, you just brought up that I completely forgot about, and I'm thinking about it now. Tyron Lue and Ben Simmons share the same agent. Rich Paul. Okay. Rich Paul, which that is something that, uh, boy, that, that's a conversation you have to have well before you hire somebody like Tyron Lue because of the, yeah. the mutual interest. And that's a, a LeBron company with Rich Paul and Flux Sports. And it, it, you could be repeating the same issues again because Ben will be, you know, they're sharing agents. So it's, it's, it complicates everything. If I gave you three the power, would you trade and beat or Simmons this offseason? I know Jack's answer, I think. 
you know, my answer is always, always the same answer, Kevin. And we've talked about it for years. What am I getting back? Right. I, I, those, those topics are always, but I'll play along just, you know, I'll play along understanding where you're going with this. Absolutely. I would have, have, have both years open on both guys and tell me what I'm going to get in return. You, you, you're not going to win a championship with Simmons. He's uncoachable. He won't shoot it. Uh, Embiid is very brittle. He's not very dependable. And I would absolutely listen to offers for both. John? I'm at the point where for the first time I, I would certainly listen to offers and weigh my options because here's what you have to look at it. Tobias Harris is untradeable. He makes way too much money. So you have him for you know a, a couple years, if not all of his contract. Al Horford, maybe, but you're giving up a lot to do it. You have to ask yourself, how close are you to contending again? If you feel the right move or two, you can be a contender next season or the year after, you trade Ben Simmons because you'll get far more uh, of value for him because it's a guard's league. Nobody builds their team around a center in the NBA anymore. Mm -hmm. So you would get a lot more for him if you get the proper guard that's willing to shoot along with the shooter to play along with uh, Joel Embiid and company then you can be right back in the mix. If you think that you're several years away as a result of the situation you're in, you probably look to trade Embiid. Because Embiid, I mean, my goodness, you could count his injuries on both hands and feet in his limited time in the NBA. We all know he's not going to play well into his 30s. His body's ultimately going to break down. He won't be able to do it. So you get value for him and you continue with Simmons and hope that things turn around because, again, it is a guards league and you can build with more players around him. It's it's, it's a really tough uh, scenario. But if I got the right for the right um, players in return for Simmons, I would definitely trade him. And Mike? I, I would always listen. Uh, I was always in the camp that I wouldn't trade them because I simply don't think you're going to get like – it's going to be like a Barkley trade. You're going to get Jeff Hornacek back. You know, first of all, you have to match salaries or whatever, but you're not getting a Damian Lillard. You're not getting uh, the guy from Phoenix that everybody was looking at. Um, you're not going to get – so you're going to make the trade, and I think you're not going to get as good a player in return or players or whatever it turns out to be unless you're willing to take, you know, a number one draft pick again that turns out to be a top pick or top two pick, and then you're right back where you started from. You're right back in a process – of hoping that you pick the right guy or guys. That's my fear in all this. Is it? And I'm not saying you're, you're married to Simmons and Embiid forever because, like John said, Embiid might not be forever, or Simmons might come up on his next contract and decide he wants to go to California or something. I, I don't know how this is going to work out. But you have to listen because you always have to listen. Mm -hmm. But I just don't see a team offering the Sixers enough because I'm not sure they know what to think. For all the reasons you guys have just stated, maybe they don't want Ben Simmons, or maybe they don't want Joel Embiid. Um, so the ask, the price might not be what you think it should be. And it's amazing when you think about it. And John's point is right. You don't build around centers anymore in this league. And that no, you don't. And, and the fact that this team went so heavy front court under Hinky. You know, when you look at Noel and, and Okafor and 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 Simmons and and, uh, and uh, Embiid, you know that that. That's that's a killer. Do you, do you they, consider they did not read? Do you, do you did consider, not read the landscape right on what the league was developing into? Do you consider Giannis a center or is he a forward? I consider him power forward. Don't you guys? Okay. Yeah, I mean it's something to, to take note of though with the Sixers as well. 
Not that this roster is constructed correctly, but the huge mistake they continue to make is revamping two, you know, two fifths or even three fifths of your starting five each and every offseason. It doesn't. Yeah. It, the guys don't just. You can't just throw them in a gym together and expect everything to work in one season. It, it takes time, especially if some of these guys are younger, they're stubborn, they need to be coached. And there, there's so many factors that also weigh into that. That this is where ownership. It wasn't just the front office. It was ownership. Wanted to go from you know, uh, rebuilding forever to this is the moment. Now's the time. And they pushed to make all these things happen so they could sell, 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 sell. And now they've done that. And they've also, and they're making money hand over fists. And in the same breath, as much as we care about basketball and Elton Brand does, some of the owners, they don't care. They're making so much money right now, regardless of the situation the roster's in. Jack, you wanted to get in. Well, no, no, just, just, only, only that, that, Talked about are they going to? We were talking about whether you would open your mind to these trades. Elton Brand's not doing it. He's playing no. this hand one more time. He's playing it. He said, "I I specifically asked him that. I said, are you committing to all these? Yeah, he's committing basically committing to all these. There's not going to be any trades. He's he believes that you can win with the front court of Harris, Horford, and Embiid. And, and darn it, he's going to find a coach that's going to do that in keep, his mind. Keep pair, yeah, and putting I, that square I, peg into a round hole. Yeah, yeah, but they, don't they? I think the mindset now, right or wrong, is that they're going to give see what happens with another guy other than Brett. And if the next guy can't get it done, then they'll they'll sit there probably too late at that point and realize we can't get it done. Exactly. But I think he's going to yeah. some other guy than Brett. He blamed Brett. Brett was to blame for everything. Right. Okay, that's what they decided. Let's see what the next guy does. Let me before, remember too. Right. I was going to say, remember too. Uh, Simmons and Embiid are, are, are what pay all the bills. That's where they have they have so much merchandise and, and season tickets. So right or wrong, it, it's 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 likely they're going to exhaust all options before they trade consider trading one of them. Before we leave the Sixers, obviously, Mike and I talked about this last week. the The idea that has been floated out about a arena at Penn's Landing. And uh, Josh Harris wanting to build on that Penn's Landing site. I think, <clears throat> is this just the Trojan horse to say we tried to get in the city and then we'll move to Camden where we'll get a nice big tax break and somebody will build us an arena? Or is this, uh, or is this a legitimate offer on their part? They want out of Wells Fargo. That's pretty obvious. Well, I'll start. It was one of the oddest stories that I've read in that they're talking about this happening 11 years from now, like, like they're yeah. saying, let's, let's build an arena at Penn's Landing and we'll, we'll put a shovel in the ground today with a big check or whatever they do. And within three or four years ago, they're talking about starting. It's Temple's football stadium, 20, Jack. 2028, 2028 starting construction. So <laughs> I don't know enough about construction, but see, John, you know something about building, don't you? <laughs> Does that sound like an awful long time to you? It certainly sounds like the precursor to something else that they're saying that they tried. I, I it, boy, the timing is everything. Just in the announcement of something like this, it's just in the middle of a pandemic where everybody's struggling, and they're asking for a partial taxpayer money to help fund something like this to get it underway in a few years' time to begin the blueprints and then eventual building. And remember, they don't want. The idea isn't just an arena. It's basically to own the waterfront for a several block stretch and create something that they would have complete control over. The city would, wouldn't be getting anything. So I, 
it's it's aggravating the thought of it. Just how uh, the timing is just it's beyond cold hearted and sliminess. It's exactly what a lot of this ownership group is when they made that statement. Now's our time to shine when the pandemic hit. But it very well could be the precursor to not getting expecting not to get what they want from the city. Just like when they tried to build that basketball arena in the Navy Yard and they couldn't get the proper tax break. So that's why they built the team facility in Camden. It's very possible if the city says, yeah, no, that's not happening, that they just go right over the river and they, they build an all-basketball arena there. It, it, what is the end game, Jack and John, for this ownership group? What are they aiming for? Money. Value. Value. <laughs> well, I mean, value do they there. care about championships? Do they, wanna, do they want a new arena? I mean, is it – or do they want to build the value up of the franchise to sell it? Is – yeah, you, know, you can you cannot you can get to a point where you don't you you are competitive enough to be valuable, but you don't win a title. So when you sell it, people think you're buying like a hot asset. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, well, what, I mean, what, 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 go ahead, Jack. Go ahead, Jack. Go ahead, Jack. The only thing that I've heard about what ownership really wants is that they've got so much, but they're such wealthy men that what they really want is for their friends to say to them, "Boy, you guys did a great job." Aren't you smart? That's what they want. They want their friends to think that they built a championship team. So yes, there, there's no doubt in my mind that they want to build a championship team. I would say, other than the process, which I disagreed with, however, it was designed to build a championship team. That's what they thought they were doing. There is no way they are one of these ownership groups that doesn't want a championship. They they want to build a championship. Team. John, yeah, I mean they're hedge funds guys. Hedge fund guys are venture capitalists. They buy low and sell high. So I mean, as much as things, maybe their initial goal was to buy a dilapidated organization for two hundred and seventy-eight million or whatever it is, and it's worth well over a billionaire, and eventually sell it. Things have changed, and they're now turning a profit. They're making a lot of money. And you hear a lot of rumors how eventually they want to have their own cable network with the multiple franchises they, they would hope to own over time. You know, they had that, they're not going to win the bid on the Mets. They own a very small portion of the Pittsburgh Steelers now. Yep. They own that, they own the Devils, the Prudential Center, Crystal Palace overseas, a couple other esports leagues, uh, sports teams. So, I mean, it's because, I mean, they're very, you can't trust people like that. So, I mean, it's, it's, you know, they're making, if they get a basketball arena, it obviously adds value to the franchise. So if that time ever came, they're going to make even more money. I mean, winning a championship obviously makes gives more value to the organization, right? So, I mean, it, uh, I'm sure they want to win. It's just along the way, they've had no idea how to do it correctly. Mike. Yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to okay. shout them down as far as trying to build a stadium in 2031. But by 2031, you're going to need a, a new stadium in this town. So their timing is about right. And I don't begrudge them for trying to get out of Wells Fargo. I mean, because they are renters. They're not, they don't own it. I mean, it's not a great building. It's okay. I mean, even with the renovations, it's just going to okay. But, but as John said, time and place, the middle of a pandemic, you know, 10% unemployment and all that, probably not the best time to flex the muscle for uh, economics. Mike? Every owner or most owners want two things. They want to make money and they want to win a championship. I don't understand what's so hard to understand about this. It's We, we, we debate this all the time. Do they really want to win? Of course they want to win. Every owner wants to have a parade where his team's going down Broad Street or going wherever 
where you can look around at all your other owners and say, hey, look at us. The I, Ed I don't know if every owner wants to win. Do you think Norman Brayman really wants to win? owners. Okay. Kevin, if you have a team, yeah, do the Pittsburgh Pirates owners maybe not want to win or the Marlins? Yeah. I'm not saying every owner. I'm saying most. And they want to make money. They're only in it for one reason, to make money. Yeah. Every owner. I don't care if you're the Patriots winning six you know, it's Super Bowls. You're still in it to become rich, er. Yeah. And these guys, obviously, as John said, they're in it for that. But I think it's more that they've mismanaged it than that they don't want it. You know, and that's two different questions. Um, and yeah, they haven't. You know, look, when they got Embiid, we all thought, hey, that's great. Then they got Simmons, we all thought, hey, that's great. And you know they they got faults, and most people thought that would that was the missing piece, you know. In fairness, so, Jack never did. <laughs> I give- know, and, <laughs> no, I, and I, I didn't know anything about faults. I'm just listening to what everybody told me. You know that he's going to be the guy that fits in real real nice next to Simmons, and you know, but most of the things that they did at the time, most of us bought into it. Well, you know, I, I didn't see a lot of outcry when they made most of their draft picks. You know, maybe some people did, or they should have taken this guy instead. But we were pretty much on board, and we were willing to wait a few years, and it turned into more than a few years. And after last year, we all thought, "Oh my God, we're right there, we're right there." Well, you know, now we're not. I think two. I think two people on the Zoom call would raise their hand that they had an objection to the Fultz pick. Agreed. <laughs> oh no, I'm not saying. <laughs> I know, I, I, but most people, like you know, all the guys they were prayed on ESPN. I mean. Um, Timmy Legler, guys like that, they were telling us that Fultz was going to be this great talent. Okay, I I don't know. I never saw him play at Washington. Um, I do know what the guy from Duke has become, um, and I don't think Danny Ainge was ever going to let them get him anyway. No. That's just my – he just wanted to get an extra draft pick out of it. It's hard to believe we've gotten this long into a conversation and we haven't brought up the Eagles, so we might as well do it. Um, Ten days before they – well, two weeks before – Hey, if I'm going to talk about the Eagles, I want more money in my contract. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, here we are. All right. The quarterback has a soft tissue ish injury already, but they say it's not a big deal. Uh, you got two offensive linemen down for the year. Uh, you have a 38-year-old pouting one who doesn't want to move back to tackle unless he's paid more. Uh, your number one draft pick is going to miss at least the first week, maybe first couple doesn't feel like a good start to the year, does it, boys? <laughs> Who wants to Disaster. Take it? it looks it's it's a smell. I, 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 Kev, you outlined it perfectly. It it just looks awful. And let me remind you, they weren't that good last year. They wound up sneaking in. They played well at the end and won a weak division. That franchise is heading in the wrong direction, and and this has been a horrible offseason. Just horrible. It, it, I agree with you 100%. It just doesn't feel right there's something wrong there i'm looking at a bad season ahead and especially i forgot miles sanders was also injured here for a large portion of camp and I, he may not be available for the opener either Jack, it, John? it is a it, no i i find it amazing each and every off season um most eagles fans can just wipe the slate clean and assume every all issues will be corrected for the very next season and I, I mean, most of their roster is injured right now. And granted, there's no preseason, so some guys are more on the side of caution than others. But there are noticeable 
big holes positionally on this roster that were never addressed properly by Howie Roseman, who also has not drafted well outside of Miles Sanders since they won the Super Bowl. I mean, you, you have Javon Hargrave, the big acquisition, who's out for multiple weeks. They can't say anything more than that. You talked about the offensive line and Jason Peters, who's saying, pay me to, put, to take me back in the left tackle. I mean, there are so many other issues. The offense was never really addressed properly outside of drafting six receivers late in late rounds in addition to the one wide receiver. I mean, Carson Wentz, you did Carson Wentz no favors at all this offseason. They have no depth on the offensive line. And through two injuries, you're now seeing how they're totally screwed. I mean, when I look at this Eagles team, I I realize it's still a two-team division because you have a brand-new coach in Washington who's going to take time with no preseason, and you have a brand-new coach in D.C. who's running it like a Pop Warner League. Or, in, in New York. In New York, I mean. In New York. So it's Eagles and Cowboys, but, boy, I maybe Mike McCarthy is going to stink it up like he did in his final years in Green Bay, but Jerry Jones did all the right moves this offseason. Howie Roseman, I question it. Mike? So why do I have a sneaky feeling that we're going to be sitting here three, four, five years down the road saying, man, uh, Foles won a Super Bowl and Carson Wentz hasn't won a playoff game or hasn't won enough playoff game or something along those lines because that's just what it keeps looking like more and more as we, as we get further and further away from 2017 and the hope that they were going to win multiple Super Bowls. You know, as everybody in Philadelphia was saying, you know, oh, God, the next decade we're the Patriots. Well, you know what? Maybe not. And maybe now we're starting to find out that 17 was just one of those things that happens. There's no explanation for it, but it happened. And you have to give them credit for that because it's hard to win a championship. But, man, you you, you have now Carson's in his fifth year, going into his fifth year, and we're not sitting here, like, all optimistic that – not that we're the be-alls and end-alls, but, like, hey, they're a real live contender to get to a Super Bowl. You know, we're, we're just hoping that maybe they make the playoffs – well, in a year where there's going to be expanded teams in the playoffs. Um, that's a little disappointing. You know, you got to bring back a 38-year-old guy to maybe replace a guy that you drafted in the first or second round. I can't remember if he who, first. Who he was first. Right, and now all of a sudden everybody's wondering if he can even play. You know, and once again, you get back to some of their draft picks. Recent years just, you know, haven't even before and, the Super Bowl. And, and, and the Super Bowl – was a great deodorant on Howie's Howie's flaws yep. and yeah. Howie's flaws. He was great at patching it together that year, bringing in the key free agents, uh, you know, the Chris Lawns of the world who were incredible for them, uh, LeGarrette Blunt. But his drafting, even Derek Barnett now, you have a serious question about whether he's a legitimate top flight NFL pass rusher because he can never stay on the field. He can never not be injured. And they, Sanders is the only pick in the last four or five years I can actually say, boy, that was a good pick. That was a real good kind of diamond in the rough kind of find. And the pro, and I think we're going to get to a point with this that Howie is bulletproof in a lot of portions of this town because he's gutsy and he's always in and they're always going for it and all that. But Howie's draft record and. You in the NFL, you can only patch for so long before the dam burst, and the dam is bursting right now for this team. But I a mean, Super Bowl goes a long way, Kev. I get, it, it I get it, but for, it doesn't last forever. But if there's we a, lo- 
but if there's yeah. a lesson they should learn from the Phillies, you don't from the Phillies oh, of the yeah. late eighty, uh, the late two thousands, right. you don't rely on sentimentality to do what should be the right thing. And they got awful sentimental, and that includes maybe towards their executive in this one. Jack, yeah, but the Philly, the Philly still won. The Philly still won one hundred and two games in two thousand eleven, even yeah. though we knew that they were kind of starting to maybe go the other way. So they were good for three years after that World Series. Right. Um, well, the Eagles have made the playoffs years, tw- two years after the Right, Super but we're three, and, and that's the thing. It's like it's just like with Doug. Everybody says, well, he's made the playoffs, and he has. I, I uh, can't knock I, him for I that. Even his division hasn't been great. Um, but Andy's divisions weren't always great, and I, I thought people knocked Andy for that. I'm like, he's just yeah. playing against who he's playing against. Yeah. I mean, you know. John or, John or Jack, either one. I, I think, to be honest, Doug has been saving Howie's ass for a long time now here, to be honest, because Doug has kept it together. He, he, he's a tremendous coach. I agree with you. And the one thing I would I would, I would part company with you, Kev, and uh, have a little fun with, with the words that you used, is that, that um, winning the Super Bowl was a great deodorant for his flaws. I don't think that at all. I think that's a – it's not a deodorant. That's a tattoo. That's that's real. I yeah, understand. That's, right. That's you, you cannot take that away from him. And it's everybody else needs a deodorant to catch up to him. If if I yeah. stretch the point. And other than that, uh, your your points are, are are really good. And they haven't drafted well. And it's not heading in the right direction. And and uh, I look for a bad season. I, I just I, this is this is going to how be bad, bad is bad. No playoffs. You know, under five hundred. Six and ten. Yeah, six and ten. Here you back me into yeah, a losing season. It's it's not going to work. Jack, Jack, what do you have them going in their division with the six games in their division? It's, I'm not one to go by you know, win win this. Sure, one, I, no, I got you. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised they lose the opener. How's that? I wouldn't be surprised they're zero and one. But I mean, do they go three and three in the division, or or because generally you I do? Okay, let's have fun. Generally, you split. You you, yeah. you split within your division. So. All right. So you only got them winning three games out of their division. Well, oh, yeah, that, but their schedule's tough. They get the Rams. They get the Ravens. They yeah, they're, yeah. They they're playing a first place schedule. This team has a lot of flaws that uh, that many fans would like to just pretend don't exist. From a, a second corner to uh, a safety, first time safety to um, a, 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 a inexperienced linebacker to lack of wide receiver depth to short two offensive linemen. I had them at around nine wins before these some of these injuries. Now I, they go eight hundred. Uh, excuse me, five hundred. They're lucky. Yeah. What's their over under number in Vegas? I'm just curious. Does anybody know? I think I, know. I think it's about nine. Yeah, I, I it was it was nine. in the nine nine and a half somewhere around there. Yeah, that would tell you go over then. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I mean that's according to that. But I think also some of that's built up because of past what happens in the past. Sometimes Vegas is behind the curve. You know that, Jack, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, w- I would expect that, that with these recent injuries that it'll change. Yeah, yeah. It, it's. I mean, I thought the Cowboys were the, should have been the favorite in the. I understand they got a new coach who hasn't worked with his quarterback who didn't do well in Green Bay last year. But I still think the Cowboys, especially with everything that's happened, are a better team. If the Eagles have a good year this year, then you know that Doug Peterson is the man. Absolutely. If he, if he can win with Absolutely. This, this is going to be a big challenge to him. If he pulls this off and wins a division championship again with this carry-on, and we talked about what did they do in the offseason, they did a really – it seemed like they did a pretty good job of reimagining their secondary, which was a trouble spot last right. year. 
kind of like we talked about the Sixers. You can't just play rotisserie sports all the time. And I'm going to do this, 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 and now it's going to work. I'll believe it when I see it. You know, and Jeff Lurie is the type of owner that I think you admire because of the fact that he, look, he let Andy have a long time here and he, he gives his people enough rope to work. But he also, like, he saw the chip thing wasn't going to work and he pulled the plug fairly quick on that. I don't know where he goes here. If this if this year gets as bad as Jack's talking, I, and I kind of am agreeing with, you know, I wonder if he looks at that structure, especially within the, the, the realm of their college scouting and, and who's making the draft AD, uh, moves. I, I think that's where he, he – it'll be interesting to see where Lurie goes after that because we saw what he did this year with the two coordinate, or with the uh, offensive coordinators. He, he – you know, he obviously you know made the move to to get rid of them. Yeah, if Wentz doesn't get hurt, if Wentz stays upright, I think they're still going to be like around a five hundred team, whatever that means seven and nine, eight and eight, nine. nine I think Doug's got enough, whatever, right. with a healthy quarterback that, that I don't see him falling to like a six and ten. But neither do I see them necessarily winning ten or eleven, no. which is usually what you have to do to be a legitimate contender. John? No, I was going to say, I mean, it's the obvious, but drafting is everything. Scouting and drafting is the lifeblood of every single professional sports organization. And, you know, the four teams in this town, and even the Flyers to an extent, I can't judge Chuck Fletcher, it's too soon. But, I mean, that's the reason the Phillies are hunting for more and more free agents or trying to re-sign guys or, or trade for players. Right. It's the reason that Howie Roseman or I should say Jim Schwartz basically controlled a lot of the offseason, bringing in a bunch of guys via free agency or trade. It's a reason the Sixers are trading, trading, trading. Uh, drafting is everything. Uh, the extra money is supposed to be made to fill in the missing pieces, not make up two-thirds of your roster. Yeah, you're absolutely right, John. And just remember on the final word on the Eagles from me, they didn't realize they had an offensive line problem and took a quarterback that they didn't need to take in the second round. So... How can you say that with a straight face, Kevin? Really? What? How can you say that? They've got a plan. <laughs> uh, on that note, uh, any final thoughts, gentlemen, as we move on here uh, and, and say goodbye? Uh, any closing thoughts? Let's start. Uh, How many more days to the end of 2020? <laughs> Jack? That's a good question. Jesus. Don't uh, don't sleep on the Phillies, I'd say. that's It's... Uh, this team's going to make a run. That's what I'll predict you think? on your show. And congratulations on your anniversary. Yep. One year. We're one yeah. year into this, uh, Mike. What do you get? What do you get for a one-year anniversary? I think paper. Like I think paper plates. <laughs> Jack in the box tacos. Yeah, <laughs> paper plates and Jack in the box tacos is yeah. about it. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, Mike. Yeah, one thing I just want to say to Jack. I think Jack may be on to something there. I really, and I'm not saying the Phillies are going to the World Series or whatever, but. I think they could be one of those kind of dangerous teams if they get any kind of pitching at all. And I'm not saying they will. They might not. But, you know, Eflin's looked a little better. Um, they've got the two guys at the top of the rotation that are look pretty good. Mm-hmm. And the way they're starting to hit, and, and you know, the catcher's going to be here, the shortstop's going to be here. They're, they're gonna, I could see the Phillies being a kind of team you might not want to play in a playoff situation. That's just that's. I'll say that. Right. Manager is one at all. Manager knows how to get there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Gentlemen, it's been fun. 
I appreciate you joining me on this Monday. And uh, ha- ha- John Johnson from 94 WIP, Jack McCaffrey from the Delco Times. Have fun at the Phillies tonight, Jack. Will do. <laughs> John, guys. John, have fun with a 3 a.m. wake-up call. So <laughs> I can't wait. Thank you. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. Thanks, guys, for joining us. Thanks to all of you for joining us. We'll be back later in the week. This has been Working the Beat. Your hand.